John chapter 8. We are in the middle of a series, short series in the Gospel of John, where we will be looking at the seven I am statements of Jesus. Last week, we saw that Jesus is the bread of life. This week, we will see him as light. So look with me at John chapter 8. I'll only be reading one verse, verse 12. But before we do that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your word. You speak through your word. You bring life through your word. You give light. You wake the dead. You open the eyes of the blind. We ask this morning, Lord, as your word goes forward, that you would do those very things here in our midst. Be present with us and show your power. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. John 8, 12, it says, Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Amen. If you go back into the back parking lot here behind the church, there is a little garden spot with corn and then some sunflowers that are in it. And you'll notice that all the sunflowers are turned in the same direction. And it's the direction of the sun. When the buds form on those sunflowers, they sense the light, and they are permanently then pointed in the direction of the sun. This is a form of what is known scientifically as heliotropism or phototropism. A lot of plants do something like this. Some are like the sunflower that are permanently set in one direction and they do not move. But there are other plants that will track the motion of the light during the day. So they will move during the day toward the light. God has designed those plants to turn in that direction because there is life in the light. Without light, the plant will wither and it will die, but with it, the plant is sustained and it is grown into maturity. So light is life, darkness is death. And the verse that we just read this morning is powerful because that very truth is found in the words that Jesus spoke. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. When Jesus speaks these words, he is at a feast called the Feast of Tabernacles. Sometimes it's called the Feast of Weeks. And at the close of that feast, there were two important rituals that would take place. One was the pouring out of water, and the other was the lighting of lamps. And then a great celebration would take forth or go forth, and all the people would sing and they would dance in the light. 
And so these words don't just come out of nowhere. They would have landed with symbolic force when Jesus spoke them. The Feast of Tabernacles was a celebration of the 40 years that God led the people of Israel in the wilderness. And what did he do when they were out there in the wilderness? They drank from a rock, water pouring out of it. They also ate the bread that fell from heaven. We talked about that last week. But they were also led by a cloud, a glorious cloud during the day and fire, a pillar of fire at night. So they were led continually by God, by his light. God was a light in the darkness for his people. And now Jesus is making it clear here that he is a light for his people as well. And he's the light that these folks were celebrating year in and year out at this feast. They were celebrating it all along. He was the fulfillment of that light, and they didn't even know it. He says, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We need light. And light is an important theme in John's gospel, but also the whole Bible. In fact, the Bible begins with the forming of of light. Right there at the very beginning, Genesis 1.1, listen to what it says. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God saw that the light was good. And he separated that light from the darkness. And God made light to do that. It's in its nature to separate from darkness. And that's the case in the physical realm. So when you go into a room that is perfectly dark and you flip on a light switch, immediately what happens? Light conquers the dark. There's no struggle going on there. They're not fighting back and forth to see who would win. Immediately when the light comes into the room, it wins. Light shines in the darkness. It separates itself from the dark. Darkness cannot overcome the light. So that happens in the physical realm, but it also takes place in the spiritual realm. In fact, this is what John teaches us in his gospel. He takes the truth that is taught about light in the scripture, and he applies those to Jesus, who is perfect light. Listen to how he starts the opening words of his story about Jesus in John 1.1. In the beginning, very similar to the opening of the Bible, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And so John uses the opening words of the Bible, and he applies them directly to Jesus. Light and life are formed by God's Word. Who is God's Word? Jesus. He brings forth life and light into the world. Yes, physically he did that. 
because he was there when the world was made. He is the creator, but he also brings a new life and light into the world when he entered into it himself. And so not only was God the Son, the author of light and life when the world was made, the Son of God has now come to bring light and life into the spiritual darkness that now exists in the world. And it does exist, does it not? There is a kind of darkness that is active and present in our world that can only be overcome through Jesus, who is light and life. Sin is darkness. Much of the world is enslaved to sin. And sin is the normal way of life for most of the people who walk our streets. Sexual sin, theft, an increasing theft, license to steal. We've got a daughter that works at a sporting goods store, and she said it's just happening every day, and they're told don't even do anything about it anymore. It's just normal. Greed. Drug abuse. Drunkenness. This is all life apart from the God who gave these people life. They belong to him, and they don't even know it. They certainly don't live like it. And we, even as God's people, are tempted to drift into the darkness and live as though we do not belong to him and receive life from him. But Jesus has come to shine his light into our world to set men and women free from the bondage of the dark. And just as God spoke light into darkness when he made the world, so life could begin on that day. God speaks light into the darkness of human hearts through the words and the works of his son, Jesus, so that we can have eternal life. Fortunately for us, God has not left us to ourselves. We're not alone. We're not without hope. Think with me about what light does and how Jesus is a light for the world. First, light exposes what was or is in the dark. I used to work for a company that managed a bunch of apartments. And one of my jobs was to go into those apartments when somebody moved out and get that place ready for the next tenants to move in. And I saw some pretty rough things during those years, how people would leave the place that they lived in. One in particular had been vacant for several days. I remember we actually had to wear like some sort of suits just to go in there, take those things off afterwards. But as soon as we walked into the building and flipped on the light switch, the walls and the floors moved. Cockroaches scattered, lots of them. Those cockroaches had been comfortable there in the dark. They were happy there doing the things that roaches love to do. When nobody else is around in the dark. But when the lights came on, they were exposed, caught out in the open, and they scattered. Jesus has come to do this for his world. 
He not only overcomes the darkness and the prince of darkness. He overcomes what was in the world, inside the hearts of men, women, and children. John tells us this very thing about Jesus in chapter 3. He says, the light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. What does sin like to do? It likes to hide in the dark. It hates the light. It doesn't want the switch turned on for anybody else to see. People love their sin, and they love the darkness. They want to stay there. They don't want the light to break into the room. They want to be left to do whatever they want to do there in the dark. Just leave me alone in it. Their hearts are so used to it, light is a shock to the system. When I was a very young man, I loved to drink. I can remember my dad saying one night, I was probably 18, 19 years old, 20, I don't remember. I remember my dad saying one night, like, I don't want to feel anything that isn't normal. I don't want anything that's not my normal mind. I always want to just be myself. And I can remember thinking, either I may have said it, I don't remember. I remember thinking, I don't ever want to feel like that. Normal to me is just drunkenness. That's the state that my wife first met me in. It's just the way I lived, and I loved it. Because I love the dark. Didn't want anybody telling me what I was supposed to do. Didn't want anybody checking me. To be called a drunk was a badge of honor, even. A few years later, I met Jesus, and he changed that. Light came into my darkness, and I no longer wanted to live that way. So Jesus exposed what was in the dark, but he didn't just show me my shame and then leave me to wallow in it like some people will do, right? They love to point out your filth. They love to point out your problems, but they don't offer any solution. They don't offer any help at all. They just kind of want you there wallowing in it, and hopefully they feel a little better about themselves along the way while you're down there. But Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus not only exposes your guilt and exposes your shame, he shows you the way out of it by changing you from the inside. And when he changes you from the inside, the outside begins to change. And so Jesus gave me a new heart to love the purity of the light. And so he exposes the darkness. He does that, certainly. He has to show us our sin, but he gives us new desires to love the light, a new heart. To love the things that he loves, to desire the things that he desires for us. He gives us a new heart to want those things, and we begin to love light instead of darkness. 
And when we read Genesis 1-1 or 1-3 there, it takes on a new meaning for us when we see God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. And he certainly did that, did he not, when he spoke the world into existence. But he spoke a new kind of existence into his people when they believe in his son too, and he did that in me. He said, let there be light in him, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good because what was the light? The light was his son, and it was the life of his son. And he separated the light from the darkness, and we begin to separate ourselves from the darkness when it is exposed inside of us. So God still speaks light into the world. Some of you who are here today need the light of Jesus to expose your own sin. Whether it's for the first time when you see Jesus as light and you begin to love him and form new desires, or maybe you've known him for a long time, but you started to wander back into the darkness again. And so this isn't just a one-time thing when you see the light. It doesn't just happen when you first come to Christ. It should happen every day. Light shines in the darkness and separates itself from it. And so this is an ongoing thing that the Lord Jesus so graciously does for his people. He gives us continual light. We have to stay close to him for the light that he gives. Otherwise, our hearts will wander back into those dark places. It may be new dark places that we've never been before. We need to stay near to our light. Because sin is crafty. Satan is crafty. Sin loves to deceive. Our hearts are gullible. They get tricked. Our hearts make excuses for going back into the dark. They try to sometimes pretend that the dark is light, that there is no difference. Justify what we're doing, what we're thinking, what we're desiring. We need the ongoing light of Christ to expose our sin to deliver us from it every single day, to keep us from stumbling around in the dark. And so right now, could you honestly say that you are walking in the light as you stay near to Jesus, or are you stumbling around somewhere in the dark? Because what Jesus offers you in this verse, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. This applies to you If you are in the darkness right now, he says, I am a light for you and I will deliver you from it. Will you come to him? And will you believe that his way is better than your way? So then too, light shows the way forward in dark places. Light casts away the fear of darkness. How many of you all were afraid of the dark when you were children? A couple of you. There's a lot more. Because some of you are still afraid of the dark now. 
Have you been alone in the dark recently somewhere? Gotten a little nervous? Have you walked down the wrong street at night here in our city and thought, it's a little dark and a little quiet, I might need to get around some people? I don't know how many times that I've been in this building late at night walking through the pitch black hallways and I can almost hear somebody sneaking up right behind me. And if it were daytime or if I was smart enough just to turn on the lights, all of that would just disappear. But there's something about being in the dark that makes it scary, makes you a little nervous. That's the effect of darkness. But Jesus, he casts away fear. He does not leave. He does not forsake. We are never alone. He promises to be with us when danger threatens to overwhelm. And I'm not just talking about physical danger. I'm talking about when you're reminded of your guilt. When Satan tempts you to despair, as the song says, and tells me of the guilt within, I look up and see him there who made an end of all my sin. I need to be reminded at times that I am no longer guilty or condemned before God. That in Christ I am cleansed. The light has come in and it has cast out darkness. And there are times when my heart will sink into darkness and begin to think as though I am without hope and without Christ and I simply need to look at him again. But I want to return to Jesus' own words before we close when he says, whoever follows me does not walk in darkness but has the light of life. And there's a logical st statement that could be made from this. So Jesus is telling us the truth that light is life. Light equals life. And Jesus also tells us that he is the light of the world. So if we were to put those two things together, we could make a truth claim here from Jesus' words that Jesus then is the life of the world, not just the light of the world. He is life for the world. If light is life and Jesus is light, he is also life. And because you are in the world, you're one of those people in the world, Jesus is life for you. Sometimes it's pretty easy for us to talk in general terms. We talk about us and we and all of them. But sometimes we need to hear the words of Jesus in a very personal way. He is life for me. Not just for everybody in this room, and he is you. Jesus is life for you. He is the author of physical life. He is that. But he has come into the world to give you more than breath. In the world that we live in, it affirms that we only live one time, and that is true. But the life that you have on earth is just a speck in comparison with what you will have in eternity. If you could see a piece of dust floating in this room, sometimes when the sun comes in in just a particular way, maybe in your house, you see all the little dust specks floating around, and you start to think, I didn't know I was breathing all that in. 
And so if you could see the sun coming in the room right now and the piece of dust floating there, that is your 80 years of life. And the rest of the space in this room and everything that makes it up, all the particles that are here, the air, that is what you will spend in all the eons of eternity. So yeah, you only live once but you will live forever. And Arnie said something about this a little while ago about the funerals that we attend and whether they're joyful or whether they are not. It is because every person spends eternity somewhere. And those joyful ones are the ones where you know that those people are spending eternity with Jesus. And so God made you to live forever. And you have a spirit, you have a soul that does not die with your body. It continues on. The soul will stand before a holy God who is pure light. He is light. You'll stand there before him after your death. No darkness can stay in his presence and live. None. Because light casts out darkness. But all of humanity is captive to the dark on its own. No hope, deserving of judgment, and will receive that judgment to be cast outside the glorious light of our God. But the words of John 3 break through into that. Beloved words that are often quoted or pictured. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He is our hope. He's our life. He's our light. And he gives that light and life to all who come to him by faith. Jesus came to deliver you from the darkness of your sin. So if that's you this morning, please hear the words of Jesus. We are a church that feed on the word of God. And we understand that God transforms his people. He shapes his people. He brings a new people to life through his word. It does not come through the personality of any preacher or teacher. We are simply vessels that communicate the truth of God's word to one another, and we depend on him to do the shaping. So my prayer this morning as I came into this place was, God, we are absolutely dependent on you for any type of life or change that happens inside of this room as your word goes forward. We trust in his word. Because he is life and he is light. And he has the power to deliver people from the darkness. He has the power to change the a blind man to one who has sight. And he has the power to raise the dead. And that is exactly what we trust him to do. That's exactly what is required to take place. If anybody is to see the light, it requires a miracle from God inside the hearts of men and women. So if that is you today, it is just one look at Jesus who is light that can change your eternity forever as you trust in him. That's all that is required. 
You look at him and you see a Savior who came to die for your sins. You see yourself as a hopeless sinner, desperate, apart from Christ. But with him, you have everything that you need for eternity. And that you can stand before that God who is pure light and have the life and light of Jesus Christ inside of you and receive the verdict, there is no condemnation for those who are in him. Is that you? I certainly hope so. But I understand that I have no power in me. All the power rests in the word of God, and here Jesus says that he is the light of the world. Do you believe that? And if you do, you share in the light that he gives and the life that he gives. Like a burning flame that he shares with us and lights inside of his people. And we receive new life, eternal life. In him. It reminds me of those sunflowers. And we become, in some ways, kind of like them. Those who belong to the light are always aimed at it, we're pointed at it. We have a new orientation in life once we receive the light of Jesus. There was a time. When we were pointed toward the darkness at all times, we loved it. Our lives revolved around it, whether it was ourselves or our particular sins. That's what life was all about. But once we see the light, like those sunflowers when they first bud, they're permanently set toward the light. And so are the people of God. We're pointed at Jesus. We're aimed at him. We're oriented around him. And now my life is all about him and the desires that he places inside of me, the desires he places inside of you, his light and his life. So just one look of faith and you're hooked forever on his light. So I ask you, church, are you looking at Jesus this morning and receiving the life and the light that he gives? Let's pray to him. Lord Jesus, we see in your word the truth that your world is in bondage to the darkness unless that world looks at you. We pray, Lord, for those who are in this room and are hearing your word, that they will receive it in the power that it is as it is led by your spirit, that it would create life and light in dark souls. Breathe life into this room. As we look to your word, we're not looking to mystical feelings We're not carried along by personalities. We simply want to trust in your word. Life and light are there for us. Give us eyes to see Jesus as he is. 
There may have been somebody who walked into this room today without that life in their soul. We pray, God, that they will walk out of this room today seeing Jesus in your word as he truly is. Say in those, let there be light. And now there is light. And we know, Lord, that you delight in the life and the light that is there. And it separates itself from the darkness. May your people at Cas Church be a people who separate themselves in light from the dark. May we not make friends with it anymore. Live holy lives as we follow Jesus. We understand that will create conflict in the world that we live in because the world is in darkness. But the light will overcome the darkness finally in the end. So give us eyes to see our Savior. We look to you. We love you. We trust in you. And we ask, God, that your word would have its way in our hearts. And we pray it in Jesus' name.